It's me, Kimba. Radio broadcast episode four. Ain't got no regrets. <laughs> Indeed. These musical shares will feature some of the more awkward or embarrassing moments that have happened during 30 plus years of being on the radio. Some of them in person, some of them are over the air. Luckily, I'm not easily embarrassed. Most of these are just funny to me, but they are all true. They actually did happen. A bit of schadenfreude for everybody. (laughs) My expense. Sure, why not? In episode three, I mentioned my 76, 1976 Circus Peanut Orange Pontiac Ventura with the chrome wheels and how Neil Rogers used to make fun of the car when I'd leave the station. There goes the tangerine tanker. I used to park it blocks away whenever I would do uh, an appearance at a nightclub. Like I used to do rosebuds every Friday night. And it was just, it was a truly embarrassing looking car. It, one night I was driving home and I lived out west in Weston at the time. I like to call it East Naples. Because everything is a song lyric, I do remember I was singing along to uh, Mr. Jones from the Counting Crows and apparently wasn't paying attention and was going a a little too fast. Like, I rarely do that, but it happens. And uh, a cop pulled me over and he asked where I was going. And I said I was headed home. And he's like, where were you? And I said an appearance, which I don't know why I said that, but, uh, you know, what's that? And I said I was at... uh, yeah, you know, I told him where I was at Rosebuds and I have I was working. Where do you work for a radio station? What do you do? And so I, I told him what I did and he, he said, Well, who are you? And I told him <laughs> he looked at me and he looked over at the car and he said, Wow, I thought you guys made a lot more money than that. <laughs> And thankfully, though he didn't give me a ticket, he just let me go. I guess he felt really sorry for me. Uh, and aside to that, because I did live out in, in Weston, I got pulled over in that car because I was in Weston, hoity-toity neighborhood, if you will, uh, at night in a 76 Circus Peanut Orange Pontiac Ventura. And I can only imagine the cop's surprise when he came upon the window and found me there behind the wheel. And he still, maybe to save face, gave me a ticket for not having uh, my license plate light was out little bulb that goes over the license plate was out. So he gave me a ticket for that. But if I went to the station after I got it fixed and showed them, then I wouldn't have to pay anything. So when I did, when I pulled up there and uh, the officer who helped me and came out and looked, he could not believe that I got a ticket for that. He was laughing. You got a ticket for that? That's ridiculous. (laughs) Awesome. I think I finally bought a new car. It, I believe it was 91. I cannot believe I drove the or the tangerine tanker around for that many years, but I guess I did. A real dude magnet, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, there was uh, this time that we were doing a, a live broadcast from the gym that my father went to. So even though I wasn't doing the actual broadcast, I went because I wanted to see my dad as well. Steve Stansel was the afternoon guy and he was doing the broadcast from the gym. And then they decided it would be fun for us all, that would be Steve and my father and I, to go into the men's locker room. And Steve handed me the microphone to interview men while they were taking a shower. (laughs) With my father standing right there. Uh, Somehow I made it out without looking down and everybody was having a lot of fun at my expense. And then Steve asked uh, my dad if he was surprised that I would go into the men's locker room. And my dad said, oh, no, that's par for the course. Uh, The way to have my back, dad. (laughs) Thanks. 
what a guy. And I used to do regular appearances at nightclubs, as I mentioned. And one of them was the weekly Rosebuds gig. And that was from seven to midnight at a bar. I would try not to start imbibing too early. Otherwise, there would probably be trouble. And as with most appearances, you've got your station van out front, uh, maybe some signage. We always had some prizes to give away. And as you might imagine, you know, Rock Club really doesn't start getting busy until, you know, at the very earliest nine, usually not until 10 or 11. The first, so the first few hours that I would be there hanging out, waiting for people to show up, uh, Tim, the bartender, spent time putting explosives in my cigarettes. Yes, I did. No, I do not anymore. And is it surprising that Tim now works for the fire department? Hmm, backdraft anyone? I don't... Ma- <laughs> I kid, Tim. I kid. So this one Friday night that we're there, one of the prizes that we had was a, a car alarm to give away. I'm Who knows where we got it from or what the connection was, but we, we wrangled a car alarm. And some hours into the broadcast, Captain Jack, who was our promotions guy, who was the one who drove the van and set all that kind of stuff up, comes in screaming, the van is gone, the van is gone. Somebody had stolen the station van outside of the nightclub on the same night that we were giving away a car alarm. and I couldn't leave because I was doing the live broadcast so I give Captain Jack the keys to my very new car and he and the sales guy go off looking and I, I know at some point they got some police involved and it turns out they found the car of the van about a block away and you know keys were in it and I from what I heard, I don't know how true it was. There was another radio station prank. Like they came, they saw the van out there and decided they'd be funny. I don't know. In any case, thankfully, Jack hadn't been drinking that much that night. But the sales guy who went with him was pretty. And and so when they found the van, one of them had to drive my car back and one of them had to drive the van back. I don't even want to know. But they both made it back unscathed. The entire bar, though, by now knows that our van got stolen and that we're giving away a car alarm. And so no one was surprised when I awarded that alarm to uh, to our station. <laughs> no, I didn't really. <laughs> but, but I should have. Uh, when I was working morning, so it's around 1992, I was also dating a coworker. It happens. I like to call them unforced errors. Anyway, he was doing a weekend, a Saturday afternoon show, when uh, the same night that Crosby, Stills, and Nash were going to be playing the Sunrise Musical Theater. It was January 18th, 1992, a Saturday. And Graham Nash was out on a boat and was listening to our station. So he called in, spoke to my UE, as I'll call him, and invited him, plus one and backstage pass, you know, to meet him and everything that night at the show. Cool. Well, certainly, yeah, I'll go love going to concerts. So when you, uh, but when you do mornings on a radio station, it really is brutal. I don't know if you ever actually get fully used to it because it should be called overnight mornings because you have to get up at like three or four, depending on how far away you are from the station, what you need to do to prep. So it's, it could be rough staying up till 10 or 11 o'clock at night regularly, if at all. And still you just, I just remember, I I think I did mornings for at least a year and it, you always felt tired. Always. It's just not a natural working shift. And and I was always at the station for a long time and didn't didn't get out much on that shift. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I wasn't at the beach a lot. I wasn't outside a lot. So we go to the show. 
And it was a pre-show meet and greet. And Graham Nash comes out and he says, hi to you, E. And upon being introduced to me, he looks at me and he says, are you feeling okay? (laughs) Which I was. (laughs) But apparently, it's equivalent of when you're walking around, you think you look really great. And somebody says, hey, are you tired today? (laughs) It was the same thing because I guess I was pale. I'm sure I had under eye bags, like I do now, uh, from, from working that shift. But apparently he thought I looked sickly and was about to faint. So he asked if I was okay. Yeah, real confidence booster, that one. That could be probably, that could be probably why Yui broke up with me. No, or it was all the cheating that he did. It's a toss up. This one did, this one had me a, a wee bit red face, but I was alone in the studio. So no one saw. The late David Bloom, a news reporter, he uh, sadly passed away in 2003. He was covering the Iraq War and ended up with a deep vein thrombosis. Uh, But years before he was a national news reporter, he worked in South Florida at uh, WTVJ. And when Hurricane Andrew hit South Florida, he did a lot of the coverage post-hurricane of the looters and the people that were price gouging that was going on. So he would he's a just very handsome guy, and he'd be standing in Homestead with his yellow rain slicker yelling at people who were stealing things. <laughs> you know, that's you're stealing, but he was just so adorable. So one night I'm doing my show, and this guy calls, and I hope he forgives me because I don't remember his name, but he was a, a cameraman from the station, and he said he was returning from doing a shoot with David Bloom. So I'm, I say something like, oh, my God, I love him. He's so cute with this little rain slicker, and I'm going on and on. And the guy says, wait, I'm sorry, what? And I go on to repeat my lustful thoughts, not realizing that many times the reporter and the cameraman, you know, drive together to something. So he had put David on the phone. And here I am going on and on about how cute and adorable and luscious that David Bloom is to David Bloom, (laughs) who says, Kimba, I'm a married man. But you know, I'm busted. What else can I say at this point? I just said, well, that doesn't make you any less gorgeous. And he cracked up. And very soon after that is when he left to join national news. But anytime that he would be in town, or I shouldn't say anytime, now and again, when he would be in town, he would call me up just to say hi and see how I was doing. So that was very sweet of him. And uh, speaking of cute guys, I had become friends with the guys in Collective Soul. And in 1997, another band named Mars Electric got signed to Atlantic records through Collective Soul singer Ed's production company. So Mars Electric was in Miami to record their album at the legendary Criteria Studios. And while they were here, we somehow we went to the Button South, which was the rock venue, the rock venue at the time. I don't think I don't recall them performing. Maybe we're just looking for something to do. Maybe. So the guys in Mars Electric were nice enough to uh, walk me out to my car that night. And If you are familiar with the Button South, it was the east side of the parking lot uh, up against one of the where back of one of the warehouses because there's a bunch of warehouses behind the the bar. So that's where I'm parked. And it does matter because we chatted out there for a good while. And when I was about to leave, when I opened my car door, it startled the heretofore with unknown and unseen gazillion pigeons that had been on the roof of the warehouse, causing them to simultaneously take flight. And apparently, I scared the crap out of them. Literally. It rained 
pigeon crap all over me. Not one of the guys got hit. <laughs> Not one. Me? It was in my hair, on my clothes, and I'm sure I'm just standing there like, oh my God. They're, are you okay? But you could tell they're just doing everything. They're clenching every body part to try to stifle the hysterical laugh that they wanted to have. <laughs> Who can blame them? I had to go back into the club because I had to go in the bathroom and at least get some of this off of me. There wasn't much I could do about the clothes, but I at least had to get it off my hair. And, and then they walked me back out to the car. And of course, the next time I was in the studio and saw Collective Soul, they were hysterical. As it would turn out, Atlantic Records ended up dropping Mars Electra before the album was done. I believe it's the pigeon incident. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but they were picked up by Columbia. And they ended up putting the record out. But then when they came to visit again, unfortunately, they did not forget the incident. Isn't that, isn't that a shame? <laughs> I love having a, a rock stars. That's how they remember me. Covered in pigeon poo. It's delightful. We always tended to have our concerts in the summer in South Florida. I know a lot of people do, but I just don't get it here in South Florida. It is like the surface of the sun. For instance, yesterday, you know, we're in April. Normal temp would have been 86. It was 97 degrees yesterday. So you imagine during the summer, that's on steroids. And then we started having a Halloween show, and then we had a holiday show. Bush was the headliner of the Nutcracker Ball, Saturday, December 18, 1999, Bayfront Park Amphitheater. It was unseasonably warm, or maybe normal because we do have two seasons, hot and hotter. I was supposed to be interviewing Gavin from Bush live, but I was delayed by something. So I'm racing across the venue and then I'm racing up a hill to get to them because they're already standing in the place where we're going to do this live interview. And now I'm trying to talk and I'm all out of breath and Gavin starts laughing and chuckling and saying, oh, a bit out of breath, are we? Little out of shape. <laughs> live in front of the crowd. Thanks, Gavin. Appreciate that. There's not a whole lot you can do when it's live. You just have to kind of go with it and go, yeah, last. But I know it's not least. It was always a running joke about the shoes that I wore. There was even a, a recorded her Kimba and her wear men's shoes. I used to say I wore bowling shoes because, you know, really, who didn't like wearing multicolored shoes with the size of the shoe on the back? And the gently worn status, is, it was just a bonus. So I do love what a lot of people consider weird shoes. Flubog, anybody? So it was 1998 Black Crows show at the Sunrise Musical Theater. And I come out to my car after the show to find a note on my car, which reads because, yes, I still have it. Kimba, get some new shoes. Those are bad from another Kim with good shoe sense, and then somebody else. I'm going to uh, assume that it was Kim's partner in shoe shame wrote, they suck. I know what show it was because I affixed the backstage pass to the note as a hashtag never forget. You will be able to see, if you'd like, you can see the note on the YouTube version of this podcast, and you can see the podcast at youtube.com slash her Kimba. I hope you enjoyed these embarrassing musical shares. I'm sure I'll, I'll be able to come up with enough to do another cast filled with them. <laughs> oh, thank you for listening. 
Thank you for being one of Kimba's Heard, Me Kimba Radio Broadcast. Ain't got no regrets.